Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it once again in another new episode. And we are going to finish Joel chapter 3 today. That is the goal. We are going to uh, work through this final chapter. It's not very long uh, in comparison to last week. Uh, It's 21 versus uh, this week versus 32 last week. So uh, by the time this episode airs, you will have had the opportunity to listen to the episode from uh, the interview with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller that has aired out this previous Tuesday. I'm very excited for that interview as I'm recording before it is released. Um, I enjoyed that conversation immensely. Uh, we talked a lot of different topics and covered a lot of ground in the short time we were on the mic together. Uh, and, I, and I was very uh, pleased with how we worked through everything. So, Make sure you go back and check out that episode. We talked just on uh, a number of topics in the Lutheran faith, and so it wasn't just focused on the sacraments, but we did touch on some of the views and understandings uh, and the beauties found in the Lutheran sacraments. So that's available for you to listen to now. So please take that opportunity and go back and listen. And as well as, you know, anytime you come to a new episode on Fridays or Tuesdays, make sure that you are all caught up so you can go and subscribe to Undying Light on any major podcasting platform. I mean, I'm on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible Books, uh, Google, uh, whatever their name is now, um, Podbean, any podcasting platform that you listen to your shows on, we're there. So check us out. Uh, if you are, if this is shared to you by somebody, uh, we put it up on Facebook and, and on Instagram. So kind of goes out, but I want to make sure people know that you can find us on every major network. So subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, if you enjoy the show, even if you don't, if you uh, don't agree with me, by all means, leave a review and tell me, I'd love to chat with you. And in fact, uh, if you don't agree with me, then DM me and we can have a a, a, a good civil conversation. So 
Uh, we've got uh, a handful of uh, content to work through uh, in the coming weeks on the show. We've got uh, uh, next week will be the next installment in the baptism series, and then we will have uh, our good friend Flame joining us in the towards the end of June. Uh, that episode, again, already recorded, but a fantastic conversation. Uh, we really delved into the sacraments of the Lutheran theology then. Uh, we will conclude um, this series on the Lutheran sacraments by uh, kind of uh, doing a summary of all the previous episodes. So it kind of if you followed the current pace so far, we've looked at all of these different elements through uh, the Lutheran view of the sacraments and we've talked about all these different things um, but we will conclude it with kind of a summary episode and so that'll be I think we'll end up with nine or ten episodes on baptism Uh, and then we're going to change directions and go to the other sacramental view and look at the Lord's Supper Uh, we'll off the top of my head I know there's a few passages we are going to look at Uh, we will talk about John chapter 6 which Brian and I briefly talk about on the show uh, and then we will move into the institution of the Lord's Supper. We'll look at Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 11 and other scripture as well. Uh, and then we'll turn to what Luther has to say in his small and large catechism. And then we will go through the Book of Concord um, more thoroughly as we did on uh, the series on baptism. So we will uh, work through this doctrine and hopefully help teach what the Lutheran view is and how it opposes the um, the, the view of the Roman Catholic Church, which is what Luther was staunchly opposed against in this, uh, as well as where the big differences between the Lutheran and the Reformed faith comes from, and why did the Reformed faith seem to embrace Zwingli's view of the Lord's Supper more uh, aggressively and more openly than they did Luther. So we will talk on that uh, through that series, so that's coming up for you. Uh, if you want early access to those shows, you can get in and uh, join us on Patreon for a dollar a month, patreon.com forward slash undying light. And the, uh, by joining us there, you get early access to all of the shows. In fact, I have most of all of the baptism shows recorded right now. Uh, today, as I'm recording time in my studio, I'm going to finish the baptism series Uh, So all of these episodes have been made weeks and weeks ahead of time for uh, the the patrons. In fact, I was actually uh, in the studio. I usually do two episodes when I record, one for Friday and one for Tuesday. But for a long time, I was doing three. I would do uh, the the series through the Augsburg. I would do a series on a show on the baptism and then I do Friday show. And so I stockpiled a lot of those before we actually got to the point of releasing them. And so they've had them for a number of weeks. And we've tweaked a few things and edited a few things, um, but uh, you'll get early access to all of the shows um, on general basis. It's usually anywhere between five and seven days ahead of time before we release them to the masses. So early access to the shows, but not only just that, uh, that's one tiny perk, but you get so much more. You'll get all the work that I'm doing outside of social media. So I'm doing some work for school. I'm putting together a, a pamphlet. Uh, that will work us through the Old Testament books, talking about just a brief description, a brief overview of each of the books of the Bible. Uh, I'm going to put together a PDF for that. That will be exclusively made available for the patrons. Uh, And then we will, I've got some other assignments and tasks that I'm looking forward to uh, after I'm done with school. 
Uh, from that, you'll also get access to the Bible study that we do every other week. Uh, during the summer, we, t- we kind of space it out a little bit more because uh, I got things going on in the summer. I play in the softball league on Sunday nights. So uh, we try to just only minimize the impacts on that, and we only meet a couple times uh, during the summer. But during the regular uh, kind of calendar school year, if you would, uh, we meet every other week. And sometimes, depending on holidays and things like that, we might meet two weeks in a row, but the general consensus is every other week. But uh, plus all that, you'll get access to my sermon notes. You'll get access to any other work that I'm doing. You'll get access to papers that I'm writing. I just did a Hebrew document for um, for class uh, talking about uh, the word day um, from Genesis 1. And we I wrote a whole paper on that. So that's available to the patrons. Stuff like that is what you'll get access to on top of you know, the discord chat where you can talk with me and ask me questions and, and, and have community with me and all the other uh, people who support this show. Uh, and then beyond all of that, you'll get access to any sort of meetups or video conferences that we do exclusively for uh, patrons. We try to do those often, but you know, with, with life, uh, I got a seven, uh, well now he's almost nine months old, a uh, little boy and a four year old little girl. And so they keep us on our toes, but with all things going on, as summer kind of kind of seems to be uh, hitting its pace, we should be doing some meetups this summer via Zoom. So you're, you know, as a patron, you are welcome to join us on that. So there's all sorts of different things that we give. Uh, and really what I tell people is this, I can't sell you the gospel. I can sell you my time. And so whatever you think my time is, is worth to you, uh, that's how much you can contribute, whether you find it just a dollar a month. I'm totally okay with that. In fact, that's why I made that tier so that it's accessible to basically everybody. Uh, you can come and join us for a dollar a month, or in fact, you could pay $10 and some change and get 12 months subscription to Undying Light. That's a deal and a half. All the content that I pour out uh, and all the bonus materials that they get and have available to them, 10 bucks gets you all of that for a whole year. Now, you can give more, and I wouldn't say that you couldn't, so if you decide to give more, uh, you can do a year up front. You can do it by monthly, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, any amount is very gracious because that goes back into the production of the show. It helps us to uh, buy new equipment and get software and, and take care of the things uh, that are needed to manage and produce this show. So that's my spiel. A little bit longer on the patron run this time, but there's so much to it, and it's such a uh, wonderful opportunity to just come together and form this beautiful community of like-minded Christ followers. And and the beautiful thing is, is you don't have to be a Lutheran to join us. In fact, I've got uh, people from almost every spectrum of Protestant understanding and views uh, that support this show. And so you can be a Baptist, a Calvinist, you can be a Presbyterian, you can be a Lutheran, you can be a Methodist, whatever it is. If you find that this show is edifying to you and you want to drink up more of the material, by all means, come join us. So uh, that's that. Um, as always, I'm working on perfecting the show, but I've got some people that we're kind of, I'm going back and forth with. We might start working on some stuff this summer. Uh, my goal is to hopefully design the show to be so much around, you know, certain time elements. You know, we want to keep the show at about 30, 35 minutes and we want to keep the first half of the show, first 10 minutes or so of it to be updates, announcements, and the quote unquote commercials. And, uh, but you know, obviously Friday is about the only time you'll get those Tuesdays. We, we do maybe a brief update and then we dive into the content. 
Friday is generally more driven to both elements, the content that we are delivering to you and updates to the show, show schedule, uh, things that we're working on, and then the patron and, and Logos Bible software. So those are the two biggest pieces, and I, I talk about them every Friday is Logos and the patron because they're near and dear to my heart, and it's a way that you can contribute to this ministry and help us uh, continue to produce episodes for you. So we are uh, looking at Joel chapter 3 today, um, and uh, we will uh, dig into um, this text here in a moment, and then we will kind of work through what is uh, Joel essentially concluding with. Uh, we will uh, see how at the beginning it's titled, The Lord Judges the Nations, and then we have the glorious future of Judah as uh, Joel wraps out his little letter of prophecy. And so we talked uh, previous weeks on uh, chapters one and two on just kind of the landscape, if you would, that is going on here and what Joel is challenging and warning uh, the Judeans about. Now, remember, this warning came specifically to the people of Judah. And we talked about that in the introduction and in uh, week one. So there's been an introduction and then chapter one and chapter two so far. So three weeks we've worked on this book. Um, so go back and listen to those so that way you can uh, kind of build up your mind, if you would, to understanding what is going on in chapter three. Because if you were to just pick up the show for the first time and listen to it, you would be very lost. And I don't blame you. It would be frustrating. Um, so that's why we try to keep the shows one shorter two, we keep the series shorter. Now, instead of doing 30, 40, 50 episodes, like we did through eschatology, we're trying to keep them to within 10 or 12 episodes, uh, on the longer books and, and just a few on the shorter books. So, uh, that is kind of my, my goal, my task, you know, with, with managing this show is to make it convenient for those who listen, because, uh, I, I want nothing more than you to enjoy this content and share it with those that you uh, that you think would in, would benefit from it and uh, uh, and that would be impactful for you. So, without further ado, let's get into uh, Joel chapter three and let us read what is going on here. So, what we got is uh, the beginning here. The Lord judges the nations, and so verse one begins with this. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all of the regions of Philistina? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order that they may remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them. And I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah. And they will sell them to the Sabines, a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. 
Proclaim among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations and gathering yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come out to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit and judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earthquake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. Verse 17, the glorious future of Judah. So you shall come to know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and the strangers shall never again pass through it. And in that day the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and the steam beds of Judah and the shall flow with water. The fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, and the water of the valley of the Shittim Egypt has become a desolation and Edom a desolate wilderness for the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall be inhabited forever in Jerusalem to all the generations. I will avenge their blood. Blood I have avenged for the Lord dwells in Zion. All right, so a lot happening uh, as we close out Joel again. We've got more prophecy surrounding end times. Uh, and sometimes we could even examine chapter three along with some of the aspects from two around the eschatological ending of all things. And we, we talked uh, early on in Joel that there's kind of two views of eschatology, which is the study of the end of times. There's the immediate and localized judgment. Um, this was also talked about in Obadiah. Uh, there's a local immediate judgment upon a nation or a people. Uh, and then we have the greater scheme where it's against all nations. And we see both of those demonstrated pretty heavily throughout the Old Testament, where we have God providing uh, insight to judgment that would come to those who are disobedient to him, but more so to uh, the entire earth, because eventually all people will be judged. And that's really kind of the premise that what we get into the book of Revelation and start to understand and unpack as John is you know, working through this, you know, end of times view. And now there's a lot of elements that we drew on when we did that series. Uh, a lot of connections back to Matthew 24 and 25 and Mark 13, Luke 21, etc. So if you're really interested in kind of the bigger picture, we did a whole long year long series on eschatology. We went through so many different pieces. We talked about Joel a little bit in that. Um, but more importantly, we summarized the day of the Lord because that's a theme that seems to be reappearing throughout these three chapters. And so it helps us to understand what the day of the Lord means, whether it's a localized uh, judgment or is it a all nations judgment. And so right out of the gate in chapter three, we have um, Joel given this warning to all of the nations 
And he says, the Lord is going to judge the nations. And he says, I will gather all the nations in verse two here and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means the judgment of Yahweh. Tradition has been regarded that this is the kindred valley, the site that is the best taken symbolically, signifying the place of the final judgment. Since the Bible mentions this valley only here and in verse 12, some aspects of Joel's prophecy are similar to the events of Jehoshaphat's reign, as recorded in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when the people of the Transjordan region rose up against the king of Judah. Jehoshaphat called for a a national fast and assembled the people at the temple, including the children. The enemy, described as a great horde, is defeated in a valley. However, the Transjordan nations would be Easterners, not Northerners, as Joel describes in chapter 2, verse 20. The prophet may have borrowed this imagery from the events during Jehoshaphat's reign, reminding the people the blessings that come from calling on the Lord. This would also commend a 9th century date of the prophecy, which we talked about in uh, the first show with dating this. The Lord's verdict as it would be, will be on behalf of his people, but against those persecuting the elect. So again, when the concept or the the announcement, the proclamation that Joel's providing here, this prophecy, uh, in his proclamation, the declaration, whatever you want to call it here, uh, when he's shouting to the masses that the Lord will gather all of the nations These are all of the people who have persecuted the nation of Israel, and they will be judged based upon what they have done to uh, God's people. And so the privilege afforded to by the election of God's people was a basis of special petitions, uh, as noted in Daniel chapter 9, Psalm 28. uh, And then we have confidence in these privileges as noted in Psalm 94, Malachi 7, Psalm 37, etc., uh, these are benefits in, in, of our, on our behalf that Christ has given to us as Christians, but, more, but also to those who were of the nation of Israel. They had the ability to make special petitions, and we, we see that mostly focused on just the prophets uh, going and making these petitions. But any person in, in the nation of, in history of Israel had this capability, uh, but we can dig into, you know, the early Jewish worship construct and what the individual responsibility was. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably do that down the road. I think that would be a fun series to do, like, you know, early worship in, in the nation of Israel, going all the way back to uh, the institution of uh, worship that was given to us in the Torah and how that unfolded and became what uh, it was at the time of Jesus. We might do that something down the road. Maybe that'll be a good Tuesday series, so we'll see. Uh, all right, so let's keep moving on here. Tyre and Sidon is mentioned here in, in verse 4. These two uh, cities of, of Finoka, known for their wealth and foreign trade. Um, we have a, a Philistina, which is a longtime enemy of Israel, also mentioned, uh, dealt in the slave trade. Uh, so these are perceived injustices done uh, by these folk, by these individuals, to God's people. Um, and we will see that God is calling these people. Uh, in verse 4, he says, What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon? 
in all the regions of Philistina. This is a, this is, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not a cent, it's not a focused judgment. I want to be clear with that. The, the, they are just being used as a demonstration of what are you to me, but a speck of dust essentially. I mean, they, they really have no value to, to God because of their persecution against uh, God's people. Um, and then we get into verse six and we've got, uh, you've sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks, the Greeks, uh, then, uh, removed them far from their own border. Uh, they were sold when sold into slavery by the Greeks. The people ended up very far from Judah. The exile described by Joel is fundamentally different from what occurred later under Assyria and Babylon. So please note that. No matter how far removed the exile captives might be, the Lord promises to gather them and return them to the Lord. Now, an interesting note, Joel makes this this statement, I will sell your sons and daughters. Some of God's people are taken captive by the Greeks, as noted in verse 6. The Lord will bring them uh, the same hardships on the coastal people that they have brought on the Judeans. Uh, And these Sabines are controlled by the Arab trade routes uh, south of Judah. So that's why they're mentioned there. Uh, and then we get back to verse 12. We have the Valley of Jehoshaphat uh, once again. This is where we will have, um, and, and this is also too, uh, some scholars will point to being like, this is the final judgment. Like if we're going to have a battle at Armageddon, this is where it would be. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a battle of Armageddon, for instance, it's a very uh, pre-millennialist, uh, a dispensational pre-millennialist understanding of eschatology. When it comes to the Valley of Jehoshaphat, we see this example that God is not going to rage war, per se, uh, here against these nations. But in fact, he's going to judge these nations. And so this is a place of judgment. This is, coincides with Matthew 25 when we see... Uh, Christ standing there before all of the people and dividing the sheep from the goats. This is the final judgment. So summarizing verses 1 through 16, prophesying about judgment day, Joel announces that the Lord will punish his enemies while vindicating and finally delivering his people. Though thoughts of judgment naturally produce dread in us, by faith we do not need to fear God's verdict. After all, the Lord is coming to usher us into heaven, not to punish us. If you remember... Going all the way back to the eschatology series, when we went through Matthew 24, we see that the, uh, the there will be a loud trumpet blast, the skies will shatter open, Jesus will appear, and he will send out his angels to gather the elect from the four corners of the earth. Then we are witnessing to the dead in Christ being raised into a resurrected and glorified body, and then those who are alive during that time will then be raised up and given their resurrected bodies. Note, there is no context of a rapture in this. That is how we understand eschatology in the Lutheran perspective. So this is always hard context to read uh, when we get to verses surrounding uh, the end of times because we, we, we're comfortable as humans in our own uh, view, our own life, you know, we, we've got a, we've got a routine, a rhythm. In fact, I did a sermon for a funeral a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in fact, it was last week. Um, and 
I didn't get to meet this individual, but I talked with his family and, and he was very much a, a routine type guy. He would get up every morning, drive seven miles into town for a cup of coffee, no matter what the weather was, snow, rain, you know, anything. He would go into town, get that cup of coffee. And, and I equated this to like, you know, we find ourselves in this kind of routine of life where we try to push out these uh, these glaring warning signs, one that we will die one day and two, Jesus will return. These two are realities to the Christian faith. One, we will face death. And, and if we're fortunate enough, we will not face death before Christ returns. However, we don't know when Jesus will return. We know that the church is continuing to reach the masses, reach those who are lost and serve God's people and bringing them back into the fold. Once we know that all of the people have been reached, uh, that is when Jesus will return. We, again, don't know who the elect are. We don't know who all of the people who will believe, yada, yada, yada. But we know that the work will be completed at the moment Jesus returns. Because there, there will be no more people coming to Christ. Uh, it'll be judgment day on that moment. So that is, you know, the premise with eschatology, it's, it's a, it's a dark cloud for a lot of people and it's fearful for a lot who are outside of Christ. But for those of us in Jesus, we can look at it as being a, a, an assurance that Christ will judge the world for its sin and the people in Christ will then be released from the burden that sin has kept on our flesh. So then we get to the last portion here of chapter three, uh, and we see that the glorious future of uh, Judea here, uh, we've got uh, Zion being God's holy mountain. His temple of Jerusalem represents both the people of God, the spiritual Israel, and the new heavens and new earth. This is pointing us all the way to Revelation 21 verses one and two. Uh, there shall be no unbelievers in God's everlasting kingdom. There will be no enemies left to torment God's people in paradise. There will be no more sin, no more death, no none of it. This is God's holy place. The mountains shall drip his, and the uh, hills shall flow. This is a picture. This is picture language describing the overflowing abundance of the well-being of God's presence. A fountain from the house of the Lord in the New Testament. Jesus is the source of all living water, as noted in John chapter 4. In the Valley of Shittim, this overflow of life-giving water would be so great that even a desert area like the valley west of Jerusalem will abound. Uh, and then we get some descriptions about Egypt to close it out. Uh, and then verse 21, uh, I will avenge their blood. The avenging here, the Lord will not allow any evil committed against his people to go unpunished. Thus Satan and his cohorts will be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20 verses 7 through 10. The ever-present Lord of Israel will accomplish all of these glorious things. Summarizing these final verses, Joel promises the final vindication and everlasting abundance for God's people, giving the inevitability of judgment, dreadful punishments await those who reject God and his promises. Repent daily and strive continually to enter by the narrow gate. Receive the limitless grace from the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And through him you shall indeed come home to the Father. Now, I like how it phrases that out there, but what we should as Christians also understand too is that we receive that through the sacrament. We receive it through the pre uh, preaching of the gospel and church services. We receive it through confession and absolution. If you 
uh, go before a priest and confess your sins. And, you know, priest, I say, you know, pastor or whatever. And the pastor can absolve you of those sins. That's very much a traditional church history understanding, even though a lot in the reformed circles don't necessarily still hold to that. And it's not because it's just Catholic-y, but what we understand when it comes to absolution and confession is that this is something Christ has given to us. And so therefore we can turn and deliver it back to uh, the individual and the pastor has the ability to, you know, um, tighten or loosen the strands of sin. You know, he can, he can hammer down on somebody saying, you know, you are committing heinous sin and you need to repent and do, and stop doing this because you're killing the people around you. Um, or it could go to the other opposite extreme and say, well, you know, you've sinned, you've done this, that, and whatever, you know, Christ still forgives you. In all both situations, Christ will always ultimately forgive you unless the sin is unbelief, which then it wouldn't even be at a pastor or a priest or, or anybody confessing. But through confession, through the sacraments, through the preaching of God's word, through even daily Bible reading, through prayer, we are repenting. And it's not our doing. It's not our work in us. It's God's work in us. It is the Holy Spirit working in us to turn us away from the things of this world that we find to be uh, less appealing and more grotesque. And we want no part in the world. That is how repentance works in the Christian. So that wraps up Joel chapter three. And in the book of Joel, we're going to come back next week. We have an interview with a patron. Uh, Her name is April. I'm very blessed to have her on the mic. We talked about a variety of topics Uh, we are actually, her and I are still talking about doing another part two episode, essentially, where we are going to get, uh, another, uh, person, another patron on the mic. And we're going to essentially just have a whole episode of conspiracy theories and just talk about, you know, all the weird stuff happening in the world. It will be, you know, focused on obviously scripture, but also just, you know, like if you were to turn on and watch the history channel, you know, you're going to see the. Uh, the ancient aliens, that's what they show like 95% of the time. But it's always like that guy with the crazy hair. He's like, oh, it was aliens. So that's kind of the <laughs> premise of the show. But uh, that'll come down the shoot probably later this summer, working on some stuff with that. Also working on uh, a, a debate with the Bible dingers. Uh, we'll get to that eventually. Um, and uh, as soon as more information is uh, delivered, I will uh, keep you in, in the loop on that. So. That's that, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back Tuesday with the next installment of the baptismal series, and then we will have Flame the following week, and we will have uh, Amos coming down the chute in a couple weeks. So thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you like this show, subscribe, share it, leave us a review. Let's spread the word of God to all the people, even if you have to flood your Facebook, your social media pages with Bible verses and short clips of preaching do so spread the word of god this world is incredibly dark and in need of that light until next week guys have a great week god bless we'll see you later
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.